Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, and I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Jody Kuzis, the teacher librarian at Kirk Day School. And so today, we will continue our discussion on reading. Last week, Maria and I both talked about The Emotionally Healthy Church, the Peter Scazzaro book, and I know we gave a book review of that, but so often our families are wondering what our teachers are reading, what's influencing our teachers as they get ready to prepare for a school year of shaping hearts and minds as well as just the academics of a school year but now we are bringing in Jody Kuzis our librarian and an extraordinary librarian at that and the way that we go about curating our library curating what are we're putting in the hands of our students and how we go about that so Jody thanks for being with us today thank you for having me I want to start right now and just getting to know you a little bit because I know um, you're out at Carpool a bit more this year, uh, out of necessity. Thank you, by the way. Um, but you've been here at Kirk Day School a while. Uh, you've been here longer than I have. And so I want to know, how did you get to Kirk Day School? Uh, and then where did you go um, once you were at Kirk Day School? Kind of what's been your KDS history? All right. So um, I started out teaching um, in Northern Illinois for five years in middle school, seventh and eighth grade, language arts. And then my husband had a job transfer downtown to St. Louis, and I started out homeschooling my kids. My daughter was born in Illinois, my son was born here, and um, we homeschooled for several years. Um, and then it was just kind of time to find something a little bit different, and we really looked at some different schools, and um, my daughter started at Westminster in eighth grade, and my son started here in fifth grade. And I was able to kind of join him here as the assistant to Dr. B.J. Weimer in the ESS class at that time. So we had fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And um, I was there, uh, he was here two years and went on to Westminster and I stayed. So this is my 13th year here. Um, I was eight years in the room with Dr. Weimer and this is my fifth year in the library. And for the record, I was the one that did ask you to go to, go to library. You did, and it was because, amazing. <laughs> because someone told me, someone told me, they said, you need a librarian, I may have a really good suggestion. And it was one of the best pieces of advice I've ever taken because this has worked out quite well. Yeah, uh, it it's actually was my dream, and I was debating in college whether or not I wanted to actually go librarian or teaching, and um, I, I went with the teaching route, and uh, this is this is like kind of what I felt my calling has been, was elementary librarian, so. What do you it, love about it? Um, I love literature. I, I mean, ultimately, all my classes, I, I, I took the grammar classes in college because I had to. But <laughs> ultimately, and, you know, writing, it's fine. But I love literature. I love reading. A voracious reader, my family is. And I also love sharing that love with students. I mean, I just think, um, you know, just biblically, God, you know, Jesus is the word. And I just love that. And I love that he gave us the ability to create and use words um, to create other stories that just, even if they're by, you know, secular authors or whatever, they're just, you see that little bit of, um, you just see a little bit of grace in, in through that and that, um, that ability to just love words and share that with kids is yeah. one of my greatest joys. If you've ever spent any time with 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 you you know it just oozes out of you yes. I mean yeah. you can tell that you have a passion for reading yeah. and a passion for the kids 
to understand and know and learn how to read. Yeah, getting um, them connected yeah. with books. Yeah. And having them come back to me and say, this was the best book ever, or I really enjoyed this book, mm -hmm. or, you know, this book made me cry, or, or, you know, and just getting that, pulling those emotions out of them as they read and experience that, that's, there's just, there's, for me, there's no greater joy. Yeah. Well, and, and part of what I also love uh, about just your enthusiasm towards literature is, the way that you've shaped our library and, sh mm -hmm. and helped shape the programming because we've had people that are passionate and Jennifer Rush was in that role and we've seen others throughout the years that have really culled and curated what we have in the, in the collection mm -hmm. that we have within our library because it is this cute quaint little room but really I love the way that, that you've taken taken that on as kind of a I would say a personal challenge of I'm gonna make this the best it can possibly be which is what we want yeah. <laughs> And, and, it's, and it's a great welcoming library, even though we can't really use it right now in, in its full capacity. We're almost there. But it's a really cool uh, just, just way to go because I grew up going to the library and it was, this is the Dewey Decimal System, and this <laughs> yeah. is how you check a book out. And I would just kind of roam and be like, okay, there's Sports Illustrated, there's a Matt Christopher book, and then there's um, you know an I Spy or Where's Waldo book, and so I'm going to check that out and move on. But I feel like our kids are doing a little bit more reading, and you're more engaged with what they should be reading, which is something I really appreciate. So before we go there, because okay. parents, we will go there, just as an FYI. Before we go there, this is my question, because I love recommending books to people. Uh, and so there's several teachers. We all, we're all recommending books. And I would love to know, what, do you, what are you reading currently, and what have been influential books in your life? And just as a, as a quick aside, the Bible, we're just going to go ahead and assume that one, <laughs> knowing you and knowing your affinity for the Lord and, and just in and, and the way that you do live out a Christian lifestyle and knowing that Jesus is there. I want to go ahead and affirm that. We don't need to say the Bible. You can give me other books that are Christian-based, but, but we're just going to go ahead and say the Bible is the word of the Lord. That To me, that's never on my favorite book list because I'm kinda, I want to say that that's an assumed book that we need to yeah. be living by. I want to. This is more of an enjoyment and formation discussion. So, this, preface this, that. Yeah. Um, well, I reread Agatha Christie all the time. So Agatha um, who? I know. So, and what I find interesting about her books is, even though that they're dated, um, so to speak, you know, she wrote. She started writing them in the nineteen twenties, and there is so much powerful behind the scenes in these simple kind of what has become uh, the standard for how cozy mystery genres are written, cozy mystery stories are written, um, that there's just these, this glimpse of what the world was like. Mm. And I just love that about her stories. Um, Nonfiction books, I would have to say, there's a few that have come out in the last few years that have been pretty influential with me. Um, I just finished Code Girls, yeah. um, and that was amazing as far as that look as for as far as the American side of the Bletchley Park kind of um, women, um, there are teachers mm. uh, basically that were recruited for code breaking during World War II, and that was a pretty powerful. Um, topic. I'd say maybe a more famous version, parents, of this. Just if, if you don't know your World War II history, which I'm tracking yeah. with you, might be the Hidden Figures movie that came out yeah. a few years yeah. ago that got a lot of attention. That was a yeah. 1960s 
NASA movie, which is great and great to show your kids, by the way. I would say it probably... Uh, really first grade and up, but you're going more World War II, World which War II. Yeah. I could talk eight days a week about this subject, because <laughs> um, so, that's what I read. So yeah, so that was like, that was just a really good book, and they have a children's version on it, so oh, cool. I haven't read that one yet, so I'm going to go back, and, and that's one of the things I've liked recently, is a lot of powerful books that have come out, either Boys in the Boat, mm. and um, Good gosh, and one of the these. best books ever, by the way. And Y'all are coming. totally nerding out, I'm yes. not a reader, so... <laughs> I'm enjoying they're, this. They're, oh, coming, yeah. they're coming out with kind of like the the, ch- the children's, and it's really upper elementary, middle school co- yeah. type books that these are going for, but that's just amazing. They didn't have that when I was growing up. Like, you had to read the adult version yeah. if you could get a right. hold of it. Right. Um, and so I love that they're... When our sixth graders, the teachers yeah. read to them every every day, and one of the books right. that they read is, is the story of Unbroken, but the right. Young Readers Edition. The Young Readers Edition. Right. And what's so amazing about that is if you read the story of Unbroken, it's a very hard, I mean, it's an incredible story. What, what a redemptive story it is, but it's an incredible story. Mm-hmm. Our kids could not, nor should they read it. Um, it's, it's, I wouldn't put it in Schindler's List category. I would put it in a pretty, pretty upper intense level. Yeah. But having those Young Reader versions, I find incredible, and I'm glad yeah. someone decided to actually do that yeah yeah Yeah. and um so i have not yet read code girls the young readers edition but i'm planning on if that works out getting that as well um another one is henrietta Lacks' um book um which was uh, you know came out several years ago but that was a really powerful look into medical um Mm. and her story as far as um just everything that was known or not known about um, cells and cancer. So if you're not familiar with that, it's um, Henrietta Lacks was a African-American woman in the, I think the 1940s. I can't remember the year. It's been a while since I've read it. Um, and she had cancer and they did an uh, um, biopsy of those cancer cells and they're still alive today. It is the standard, they're called HeLa cells, and it's the standard of what they've done testing on um, pretty much anything medical related. Mm-hmm. And just the fascinating story about her family, and um, it's well done. And if there's one thing that, that I would say reading a lot of books has taught me is that good writing trumps all. If you have a good writer, they can take yeah. the oddest subject matter ever and it becomes an incredible book. And so, um, you know, I'm not not really a big horse racing fan. I don't follow horses or anything like that. But Laura Hildebrand, uh, who, who also wrote Unbroken, wrote Seabiscuit. Well, Seabiscuit, as a subject matter, gives me very little interest outside of the competition side. One of the greatest books I've ever mm. read. I mean, seriously, I, I, would, I would put that maybe, if not better than Unbroken, as far as the literary side mm-hmm. goes. Um, Better than the movie. Tremendously so. Yes, yes. <laughs> Toby Maguire's great. So is William H Macy. He does a great job, but no, way better. Um, but it, but it is. I, I would say I, I, I would for me reading, and I don't read a lot of education books. I'm not sitting there, you know, just pouring over theology books either. I really enjoy reading historical fiction mm-hmm. as well as history books. But to be able to learn and to, to enter into a, to a world and to kind of see that and, and pull out those strands of which has, has been a worldview influence for these writers and just seeing a different framework is really fascinating. Perhaps the best book, I would put it in my top three books of all time, frankly, is A Gentleman in Moscow, which has come out recently. 
uh, I say recently, within the last five years. Uh, it's by Amor Tolls, an American writer. Spectacular book because it wrestles through a lot of the questions and scenarios and wrestles through the idea of character. There's not a lot of common worldview in there, but it wrestles through these different aspects. And so this brings brings me kind of to an area that, that I wanted to get Jody's opinion of. And Maria, you and I have talked a lot about this on the podcast in regards to movies and even music, but this this idea of common grace. Take in, in the idea, and I'm going to butcher this, so any theologian listening to this, please forgive me, but the idea essentially is I'm watching something produced, written, uh, directed, starred by a non-believer, but there is something that my heart yearns for in seeing it, and I know I was created for more or that it brings me closer to the Lord despite the fact that this person may not be a believer and may not know Jesus themselves. And that is God's common grace pouring out through his people or to his people through everything. And their experience knowing that God is love is why we can see a romantic story that has nothing to do with, with the Lord being just passionately driven on screen that, that really evokes those feelings in us that, that is for good, not for bad or sin or lust. We see those things. And so my thought there, Jody, going to the next thing, is, and we're getting ready to hit, hit the kids section here, believe it or not. What, what do you see and what are you looking for in that common grace theme? What, what, what strikes you as like, man, Agatha Christie books or the, these historical books that, that really just strike a chord with you? What, what are the things that, that you read and that, that pulls something out of you and says, man, this is, this is rich? Um, it's interesting because there's been a lot of, and, you know, Harry Potter's not necessarily a new book that's coming out. Um, yeah. But, and I have, we've gotten to the point where we're getting some of the kids coming up that have seen the movies but not actually read the books. And, and, and it's like, wow, okay, they're already kind of getting to that generational. And it's like, you, you can't experience Harry Potter without reading the books because the movies in a way, especially the later movies, don't do them justice. There is that essence of common grace in her story that if you follow or have read Tolkien, you'll notice that there there is almost a literary analysis you can do between the two series. Yes. And there is that, um, you know, is it Frodo or, or, or is it Sam who's the ultimate sacrifice and right. you can just have right. these debates but then you can look at Harry Potter and the the humbleness when it comes down to the end um, of the series is just amazing and you automatically just see that like this is common grace in this story and there is just such a connection to that um, and that's what I love to see in good literature for kids. And I, it's what I love to share. Don't judge a book by its cover with something that kind of a motto that we get the kids going on. And then also, too, don't read the book if you're going to watch the movie. Now, so you can argue whether or not which one you have to do first. That's whatever. But, um, but ultimately, don't just leave it on a visual get deeper if you like the story or even maybe you didn't like the story as a movie and there is a corresponding book then read that and judge it for yourself and use that discernment um, and look at that and look for those elements of common grace and look for those elements of moving your heart 
Mm-hmm. I remember learning in seminary, um, we obviously talked a lot about common grace, but uh, the idea that, you know, all stories are a reflection of God because he is the creator of stories. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the one that authored stories, ultimately. So, all stories, you know, there are, there are ways that we can point um, back to that, to, to his ultimate story, his big story. Um, and, you know, that's something that, yeah, we've talked about is as we take in media or reading, asking those questions, um, what is true about it? Um, what is what is confusing about it? Um, what is maybe not in line with what we would believe? Um, and that kind of helps shape our worldview. So when we think about curating that library and curating it around our worldview, tell us a little bit about what that's like. Um, one of the things that we follow, um, in not explicitly, but is a good basis, is Charlotte Mason. And there's a lot of, I mean, she's got a ton of book quotes and obviously a lot of information about um, books and for children. And um, as a homeschool parent, I also, you know, did a lot of her reading and things like that as well. But um, living, but just the concept of li- living books is something that, you know, we don't curate to all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some fluff. Um, I kind of make it this little bit similar for kids. It's like, it's dinner. Three quarters of what you read should be your dinner. Meet your potatoes, veggies. And one fourth of what you read is your dessert. And mm-hmm. so you love Big Nate. Okay, that's great. That's your one fourth or, you know, whatever it is. And that's your, mm-hmm. your quarter. And for me, my quarter is my, you know, my mystery, my cozy mm-hmm. mysteries. I read them all the time. And that, but that's like my quarter of what I try to read. And so even though I'm reading them all the time, it's also like, okay, I need to make sure that my three quarter plate is being full that I'm feeding myself with that dinner with Mm -hmm. something that's got a little bit more depth Mm -hmm. to it um, either in fiction or nonfiction but something that is you know like you mentioned gentlemen um, in Moscow yeah Yeah. and so um, I put that on my reading list and I put on my reading list on my audiobooks because that's kind of as of where I'm at, I can listen in the car, I can listen mm-hmm. while I'm doing laundry, I can listen while I'm cooking dinner, and I consume much more you know, books nowadays than I ever used to, and so I can keep that same amount of cozy mysteries, my quarter, and really fill my three quarters of a plate with uh, some good, meaningful books. Mm-hmm. And so... it's a really good way to think about it, and just break it down as far as, like, those books are fun, and they're entertaining, and they're good, and books we can also have space that you know we read a book maybe for the intellectual like um i don't know deepening you know having our brains work in that way but then also you know knowing that there have been there are plenty of christian authors out there that write good um helpful books that can help us grow in our faith so i like that that portioning that's a great yeah visual yeah it is and it it helps the kids to realize that you know because they're all about you know you and some of it's like you you get your dinner first and then Mm -hmm. you you get your dessert so um i try to remind them to uh check out a variety of books you know and stretch their um since we have genre-fied the library and this uh summer we 
semi-genrefied nonfiction as well, um, we took those biographies and put them in with their subjects. So the kids are finding, even though they're not actually coming to the library and we're getting online and having them peruse the online catalog of the books and going, okay, so we've talked about fiction and nonfiction, so check out a fiction book and check out a nonfiction book and check out, um, because I'm bringing books to them on the cart, they're having fewer choices, mm -hmm. but they're checking out books maybe in an area that they wouldn't normally check out, which is kind of the purpose of the genrefication. There's yeah. a lot of background on that and stuff too. And so these concept of having living books, um, and by that I just mean books of a higher quality. Those are the books that are the meat and potatoes. Yeah. And then having less fluff and dessert type mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. um, well, and I think we can all identify what a fluff book might <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah. No, seriously, and, yeah. and, you know, I would say I have plenty of those in my library and, and what I've read and listened to over the past couple of years. But what have been the books, what, what are those books that you would say are the meat and potatoes, that are the, the really solid books that you would say, I think every kid should go through this author, this type of book. So can you give us some examples of those that, that you really love it when a kid checks this book out? Um, maybe less than specific titles, but more of like historical fiction. Mm -hmm. um, I part of like loving mystery as well, but I also love historical fiction, and that is to me something that the kids can to relate. And realistic fiction goes there too, obviously, with a little bit more um, relational. Um, but by historical fiction. Um, I know one of our teachers and the kids are really looking at A Night Divided. So it's a Cold War book about a family being separated um, over the um, Berlin Wall. And just so that kind of thing, like something that, I mean, the Berlin Wall's been down for, you know, a long time. And so, but they're, they don't have experience of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but to read it in a well-written historical fiction book and, um, and bringing that, the family aspect into it, the author did it so well, you feel like you're there and you mm. can experience this time period and the struggles and the common grace mm. that, um, yes, it's an adventure story. Yes, it's set in a country that maybe you've never visited or, you know, and so you just get that, um, that feeling of connection to other people and other cultures and it's just amazing. Um, to go there when they when they find that book that they connect with and uh, matter of fact I love when kids share books that they've read that I've recommended but I also love when they bring me books Mrs. Cusis you would love this book and that's how I found A Night Divided is a student brought that book to me and said I read this book and you really should read it and that's also amazing because you know they're out there looking for that as well that's awesome one, one thing that I, I was I would say baptized with at Kirk Day School was the seriousness by which we choose books that go in our curriculum. Now not books that are even read aloud books, not books that necessarily can make it to our library, but books that every kid will read in that grade level at that year. And a, we made a dynamic change in sixth grade, um, I guess last year was the first year we did this, but we, we for the first time incorporated a graphic novel into the sixth grade curriculum and the amount of thought and depth that went into the selection of that book was really affirming to know that we're not going to just put something in front of our kids and say all right kids drink it up and I did that as a young teacher I would just throw a book out and say hey 
think you should read this. I try to unpack it. I try to get there. But if the kids can't connect with it, if the kids can't visual, visualize it. But we did that with um, The Faithful Spy. John Hendricks is the author. He's a St. Louis author. And it's written, in, it's about Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Phenomenal book. The artistry is there in, in the graphics. The information is there. It it shows kids a very human picture of somebody that I think whose writing can be very deep and theological, and so it does a very healthy balance. It's also above their reading level, and so it's a challenge, and it's where you want somebody to unpack it. But then we go to those those other spots where you know our kids are reading books that otherwise they may never pick up because there is a richness and a depth to it, and it's it's really great to see because I've read plenty of books that I did not enjoy, and 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 that's probably why I'm not a reader to be honest yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah and I love it because we're teaching our kids um how to navigate what is excellent what is not excellent um in a, in a good way you know um to long for and want to find things that are rich and that are are good to read not just on the like good for your soul to read but that are intriguing um, to read because so much of our culture now is like you know Netflix veg out you know that type of thing where we're not really being great consumers of what we're reading it just kind of comes to us and we absorb it yeah um, but I love that we're trying to sculpt that and teach our kids how to be critical thinkers about what they're reading well and and I will say this my educational philosophy really boils, I always tell families, and especially new families, it boils down to three things. Every child is known and loved. All truth is God's truth. And lifelong learning creates and knows excellence. And two of those three come right into literature. We want kids, like you were saying earlier, Maria, to really wrestle with ideas, wrestle with with perspectives. I think one of the best books out there for our sixth and seventh graders, even though it's a bit of a PG-13 rating, is actually the, a book thief. Um, it's one of my favorite books because there is a struggle, there's sarcasm, there's there's a little bit of language, and you and as a kid and even as, as an adult reader, you have to wrestle through what is right, what is appropriate, mm-hmm. and it's actually done in a very righteous way. And um, I believe it was Jerem Bars, who is a seminary uh, professor here at Covenant, even said what he loved about Harry Potter was that there was never a line of confusion, that, that there was always good and evil, mm. that you're not wondering who's right, who's wrong. And when we get into things like gender, marriage, sexuality, and family pictures, mm. there can be a lot of confusion thrown at our students, and we want to make sure that we're choosing books that may make them wrestle with those issues, but never blur the line of what is right and what is wrong. And that's something that, that I would love to hear your perspective on, Judy. Because you do a lot of that, and I mentioned this earlier, you do a lot of curating of that, both in our book fair Mm -hmm. as well as our library. Yeah, and so um, we, as far as what goes in the library, again, we're looking at those, um, we're just looking at the worldview, Um, you know, even when it comes to making sure that we have... Um, you know, on the topic of dinosaurs, you know, we have, you know, like kind of going back to creation, we have both the standard, you know, encyclopedia of dinosaurs that's, you know, produced out there that's going to, that, but we also have the books that are coming out of the, um, the, you know, the Christian background on dinosaurs and explaining earth as like in biblical perspective and how that works. So we're just making sure that we're offering, um, 
perspective on, you know, we have Christian fiction uh, section, we have Christian biographies, as well as, bi you know, biographies about all kinds of people, and that may have, um, you know, that common grace, you know, um, attitude towards it. Um, we're also looking at books that when we have book fair, you know, we use a secular company that comes in and, and offers our books and we have the ability, which is great to say, no, 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 yes, 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 or hey, can we have these specific titles? Right. And that's been a blessing to have somebody saying, okay, what titles do you want? And we're able to pull in, you know, a, a Boys in the Boat or some other titles that might be um, for either the adults or for... Um, Kids that are going, you know, that we're that we're asking them to have on the shelves and offer up to our parents and our students, which is which is an amazing thing. And Maria, I meant to go back to your thing about you saying about not being a reader. Mm -hmm. And there's this great quote up there, and I'm not going to exactly remember the reference, but it's that there is no such thing as a non-reader. It's only you haven't found the book yet. Yeah, you yeah. haven't found your book yet, That's your true. style. Yeah. Um, and once you do, keep pursuing that. Because once you find that area, that niche, and especially with audiobooks, I think oh, that has made I think that me much more of a reader. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's true. I think because sometimes it is that physical act, whether it's a weakness or just you feel like, you know, now it's not so much I love to physically read, but it's a time issue. It's mm -hmm. like I have to get all this other stuff done. And so having the, um, you know, taking the car trips with your kids, mm -hmm. find a good series to read and listen to together as a family. Um, even when my kids were in high school, my husband, um, you know, uh, my daughter was a junior and she had to read Fahrenheit 451. And it, it was just kind of like, oh, do I have to read this? And my husband and my, a friend of hers was over and my husband started reading the book out loud to them. Mm -hmm. And the friend went like, oh, I mean, these are <laughs> high school kids. And they're like, that's what it like it just that perspective yeah. of having somebody take the time to read it out loud and ex kind of explain the references and explain the mm -hmm. history it just made all the difference and all they had to do is get them started yeah you know and sometimes that's we have to do that for ourselves too is find that genre or find those books that uh, we can maybe listen to and having somebody else just read it to mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. will turn that corner um and you know whatever kind of book it is and looking at the worldview, kind of going back to that, it's just important to have books to, like you said, as far as having the correct maturity level and looking for those books that where you're looking at issues and yet we're looking at them from our Christian worldview and we can discern and teach the, teaching those kids how to discern for themselves and, and wrestle with it, um, but also to look at it and say oh this is right and this is not right or this is this shows common grace and giving yeah. them those terms to say you know even though this is not ideal what did we learn from it what did we take from it and how can we apply that good or bad let me let me ask you this because we have I guess really just two questions left my first question would be let's say a parent's listening they say yeah we get that like you guys love books we, we understand the reason but my kid it's still really hard for them to pick up a book it's still they're, they're just not a great reader maybe they struggle with that academically maybe they they just haven't found that book yet 
where would you coach parents to say, look here, and and or at least some strategies to to begin to develop that appetite? Yeah, um, I would say definitely having parents read to kids. Hmm. I mean, that's on my kind of my summer reading information that goes out is that you know here's a list you know starting with some kind of um, you know the summer reading list starting with um, recommendations from authors starting with award winners you know whether you start with a Caldecott or the age you know depending on the age of the student or Newberry um, and looking at those and going let's read to my kids reading aloud to your kids spending that time together is being probably the most important thing to get kids interested in books because ultimately they watch you and what mm. you do as a parent and if you are taking that time to read to them and it doesn't have to be both parents it could be a grandparent even but just taking that time to have somebody that really cares for that student and read to them together cuddled up right before bed whenever it is and sharing that, sharing that, getting into a story, um, it, it makes a big difference. It makes a really big difference. Oh, that's cool. It's a great, yeah. just thinking about my little ones. Yeah, that's yeah. A great. Taking, making, making that time in our crazy busy world, making that time to read to your kids. And then as they get older, as you have find audiobooks, I mean, we didn't take a car trip without an audiobook yeah. you know and no matter the length even if you know and sometimes even if it's a half hour on the way to school you know it, it, and then they have to stop and you have to like oh well get to come back to that story after school bye and they'll be like what wait and, and just to build that anticipation of something so it's okay not to finish a book all in one night yeah it's okay to draw that out of them and if you have a chance to peruse it or ahead of time, or if it's one of your favorites from childhood, you know, if you remember a teacher sharing a story um, when you were a kid, those make the connections yeah. with, with our students. Yeah. And you can read that in, you know, my husband, one of his favorite books was Farmer Boy. So when he started the Little House on the Prairie series with my daughter, he started with Farmer Boy because that had been his favorite mm -hmm. and that now is her favorite because she knew it had been her daddy's favorite and he read it out loud to her. Mm. And so even though she read the other books as well, that just makes that connection. So I got her um, onto a boxcar children, you know, yeah. because no, mystery, the whole series. mysteries yeah. and, and Violet, my daughter's yeah. name is Violet as well. Yeah. So that was like that double connection with that series. So it was like, here, you're, you're, you're six, just read this book. We'll read it together. You know, it just, you yeah. get them into it by showing that love of making some connection and then going from there. That's awesome. Uh, that's, that's, that's great. We're going to stop there. Um, Jody, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, this, is, and, this is fun. And keep reading. That's what I tell the kids before that's I right. leave their classrooms. Keep reading. Awesome. Well, thank you. And parents, uh, if you need to reach out to Mrs. Kuzis, uh, please do. I know she's always ready to point a, a book in, in your direction, whether it is for you as an adult reader or for your children, no matter their age. And, and I would just highly recommend you reaching out to her. But until next time, uh, we will be back uh, next week with another podcast ready to roll your way. And this is uh, definitely a part of just that that educating and equipping, and, and in this case, nurturing as well, of, of how we're, we're bringing those students to be more like Christ and disciples of Christ, impacting this world. All right, until next time, thanks, parents.